This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rant, another emergency podcast, another enormous night for the men's basketball team. I'm here with Fonseca. Uh, Pat Lanny is at wrestling practice today. Uh, we got to talk hoops. We got to talk about, and I, I, I get it, Brian, we've, we've, we've done this a million times now, but th- it's almost like the latest biggest win of the Steve Peichel era. And I, I mean, as great as it was Ron Harper's half court shot to beat Purdue at home last year when they were number one, I just think this is a bigger win. 65, 64, at Mackey Arena, the toughest place arguably to play in the Big Ten against the, arguably the best player in college basketball. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's just another one of these program-building victories. And to lead 10 points and a half against that team, to hold on after you lose the lead, there are so many things that impress me about this. Absolutely. And I, I think beyond even asking if it's – I think it's indisputably the greatest regular season win under Steve Peichel, and there's been many of that bunch – I think we're talking about, is this the greatest regular season win in program history? Is this the greatest regular season win in Rutgers athletics history? Uh, because of all the factors you said. Um, and I do think that you mentioned that Mackey Arena is the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. I think it's pretty widely regarded. I think Rutgers didn't like that talk. I think they think the rack yeah. is Jersey Mike's Arena uh, is a better venue. And they kind of wanted to prove that, you know, they can uh, they, they can win at Mackey. But Rutgers... Listen to this. Rutgers has won twice in the last three times they went to Mackey Arena. That is unbelievable. In Rutgers is two and one at Mackey Arena. Purdue is eighteen and twenty one at Mackey Arena in that span. So That's Rutgers, Rutgers really has good. beaten yeah. Purdue at Mackey Arena more times than any team in the last two years. Wow. Um, and yes, this is a Purdue team that is as good as advertised. I mean, Zach Eady is a monster, an absolute monster. We can start there. The fact Rutgers got a bit of a break early on. The first possession, they go to Cliff Omori, as they always do. Zach Eady picks up his first foul immediately, which conditioned the entire first half. It, mm-hmm. it means that he's sitting for eleven minute, uh, nine minutes, I believe he said for. 
which makes a huge difference in that he's not on the floor. It changes the dynamic. And Rutgers really took advantage and built that 10-point lead. Uh, but before getting to the nitty-gritty, the big picture thing, it changes the complexion of the season. It's further proof of the program that Peichel has built. And, yeah, I mean, where where would you rank this? Sorry, I'm all over the place, but, you know, where would you rank this among Rutgers' wins ever? I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of top five. I, I, it's got to be up there, no, no question. Uh, and big picture, what it says for me, and it's funny, like we we should stop being shocked at this, I think is, is, is the takeaway. Purdue's not shocked about this. Uh, the Big Ten's not shocked about this. I loved, I mean, Matt Painter, his first team all quote. I loved his quote that you, you put on your, your story this morning. What Rutgers did tonight should not did not shock the coaching staff. We sold it like, hey, man, these guys are coming. If we were going to war, we'd stop by New Jersey and pick them up. Them cats, they play for keeps. I, it's just a great quote. It sums up, you know, like this is this is the identity of this program now. This is one of the tougher teams in the Big Ten to play on any night. And yeah, okay, they're not perfect every night. We saw it against Eaton Hall. Uh, they have off nights like any team does, but... You know, this is the identity of Rutgers basketball. You're going to have to punch them in the face and rip the ball away from them to win the game. Uh, and I just think there's this photo that's been circulating where, you know, there's there's a Purdue guard and he's <laughs> trying to save the ball. And there are like four Rutgers players surrounding him, like just with with like rage and intensity on their faces. It's just it just sums the whole thing up. Uh, the defense is as, as good as, and T. Peichel has said this, and I totally agree. It's the best defensive team he's ever had. I mean, yeah. The, and and to your point, it changes what this it it gives you now. All right, well, let's stop talking about if they make the NCAA tournament. Let's talk about what the ceiling for this team is. I mean, they're number sixteen in the net. Uh, NCAA is no longer feel like a question. I mean, should we raise expectations of what this team should do? Yeah, absolutely. I wrote that they are, can contend for the Big Ten title because I think. The, the talk around the league has been that Purdue was head and shoulders above a pretty wishy-washy group otherwise, and Rutgers just went into their place yeah. and beat them, right? And uh, to your point, I think someone on the field of 68, their post-game rap show said that defense travels, Rutgers defense travels. The yeah. Playing at this level, this is their best defense. I, I think that's undisputed now. I was in between whether the 1920 season, which finished ranked sixth nationally, w- was better or not. I think it's undisputed that this team is better because they just held Purdue to 64 points when their best two defenders, uh, Moa Mag and Caleb McConnell, were out for 21 of the 40 possible minutes in the first half with foul trouble. And they wow. still did that to Purdue. Um, so, yes, I, th- with that defense, they can go to any place in the Big Ten, and especially at Jersey Mike's Arena, and clamp down on teams. And if they play well enough offensively, they can beat anybody. And this is going to be even more crucial in the postseason, in the Big Ten tournament, and the NCAA tournament, to make a run because – if you could play like this, it's always dependable. You're not worried about our shots going to go in or shots not going to go in. That was kind of Purdue's issue in the NCAA tournament last year when their offense dried up a bit. I don't think Rutgers' defense is going to dry up unless you know a ref show happens and they get called for 50 fouls, which I think you and I disagree a little within, bit about last night. Within um, the realm of possibility, <laughs> based on what we saw last night. Well, yeah. th- luckily for them, they're not going to play at Mackey Arena or in a Big Ten road venue in the NCAA tournament. Um, but look, that's the cost of playing football on a basketball court. These they're pl- they're borderline punching people in the face. I thought the refs were going to give them sparring outfits at halftime to relieve some of this. The, the, I mean, they're, they look like a UFC fight in there. Uh, so that's what happens. You're going to get called for a ton of fouls. And uh, but 
I, I think that obviously, I think it's pretty clear that the pros of playing that level of defense vastly outweigh the cons. I, I, I look, I agree. I'm not one of these. Holy crap! The officiating guys. I think I can establish that. Like my crack, my track record on that. Last night, though, I mean, there were there were a few of them. There was one time Caleb McConnell's defending on the perimeter, and it it, it looked like on the replay that <laughs> the Purdue player uh, stepped on his foot and fell over. <laughs> that and that was called a foul. It was called a block against them. There's just a couple of moments where uh, Edie inside. I mean, you know, Cam Spencer. I thought it was going to explode. Stole the ball from him. I didn't. I didn't see contact. If there was contact, there certainly wasn't a lot of contact. Twenty-four eleven. I really thought this. I really thought that's how the game was going to end. You know, after Cam Spencer hits that incredible shot, I was convinced. All right, well, Purdue's going to have a chance to win this at the line. You know, it was it was a miracle that that didn't happen. Of course, then there still was a controversy at the end, and I don't know what was your take on so many things at the end of the game happened, but. This could have been a different outcome if they were 1.4 seconds on the clock instead of 0.4 seconds on the clock with the inbounds play. I mean, that was my goodness. Yeah, my understanding is that the rule was properly called this time. Uh, You're only allowed a three-foot, I think, cylinder around when you are inbounding on the baseline. And Caleb, I think, I I didn't watch the replay in in depth, but it looked like he clearly violated the rule and it was a good call. Oh, I agree totally. But where was the where were the why weren't they coming back to the ball? I mean, what was the what was the call? It was just sort of a bizarre moment where like, all right, he's got the ball. He they've got no timeouts. They got to get the ball in. Where is everybody? You know, it was just weird. Yeah, I, it, it, like you said, it was an insane finish and scramble and all that. I, I will say, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to go on a bit of a a side rant. I've seen a lot of Rutgers fans say that Rutgers is technically three and zero in the Big Ten because the uh, the Big Ten uh, acknowledged that Rutgers beat Ohio State. That is not what happened. The Big Ten acknowledged that they made a mistake on the final play and their game-winning shot should not have counted. You're going to say, is that not the same thing? It, <laughs> it's not. the same thing? It's not. It's not. <laughs> didn't because say the same thing? Okay. If, they, if they did call that, right, Ohio yeah. State would have time on the clock. Rutgers would be inbounding the ball, but there would still be time on the clock. We saw yeah. last night clearly what could have possibly happened. Ohio State could have gotten the ball back and they could have gotten another chance, and they could have scored. Is that likely? Obviously not. Right. My point being, Rutgers did not beat Ohio State. They did not. They did but not. That, but that's, if that is called, there is a better chance than not that they're 3-0. and That is that is true. No, and if well, they're 3-0 in the Big Ten, they would be 3-0 in the Big Ten with the wins at two of the hardest road venues and a win over the the preseason favorite. I mean, they'd be well, in the driver's seat. They would be, they would be the team to beat. They might still be the team, but if they had been, if they had won that game, they would be the team to beat in the big 10. You, you fell right into my next point, which is that if they had beaten Ohio state, we have no idea if they would have won at Mac arena because w- winning at Ohio state completely changes one. It changes the next game, right? We assume that they would have beaten Seton hall three days later. We assume that they would have, you know, dominated the next two opponents. We assume they would have won at Mackey Arena. We don't know that. We don't know what don't. the win You're Ohio right. State does to their psyche. We don't know if they have the chip on their shoulder last night. There, th- my my point being that there is no use in going to hypotheticals and trying to relitigate the past. The point is that Rutgers is two and one in the Big Ten, two and one in the Big Ten with a win at Mackey Arena, a near win over maybe the best offense in the Big Ten, and they're legitimately good. Rutgers is legitimately good. Their program, and it's we should not be as surprised as we are. I agree with you that this was less dramatic of a win and less surprising of a win. Just be- the national reaction was really muted. I thought like Rutgers just beat the number one team in the country, and 
I did not see much. Yeah, well, we'll talk about this later, but I think part of the national reaction was, as it was happening, one of the worst moments in recent sports history was unfolding on Monday Night Football. We'll talk about that in a minute. So that I think that did subdue a lot of how people would have, would have been watching the end of that game. Certainly a lot of TVs were not turned to the game. Uh, again, we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think what it will do in the short term is college, I mean, college basketball people will now have Rutgers on its radar. Uh, can't get, it can't give it right back, I guess, is is the key thing here. You know, you got Maryland coming into the rack now. Uh, the, the Terps have kind of fallen down a little bit under under Kevin Willard lately. You would think that that would be a game Rutgers should win. You got Iowa coming to the rack. That's, again, another another tough opponent, clearly. But at home, a game you should win. Then you're at Northwestern. I mean, there's like you look at it now, you're like, okay, well, this just could build. They could build on this pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, I do think it's worth noting. Uh, I think it was Danny Breslauer who was maybe the smartest Rutgers basketball fan on in in, in the discourse in the Rutgers basketball discussion space. And I don't say that because we know Danny. I say that because I mean it. He points out a very good point that Rutgers has gotten some three-point luck, some luck at the free throw line. I think uh, Purdue missed. I don't know how many they missed, but they missed a ton of them. They took a lot of them, but they missed a ton of them. And they they obviously are not a great three-point shooting team. They missed a lot. Rutgers is due for some team to come into Jersey Mike's arena and shoot 50% on threes and, you know, dumb luck their way into a win. It's just, yeah. it's, it's going to happen. It's a matter of withstanding that. Uh, they were able to do that against Wake Forest, which shot 50% on threes. Uh, being able to withstand that and being able to take the one, you know, it, they're going to have one or two head-scratching losses. As long as it's not to Minnesota, then they're fine, essentially. Uh, yeah, the way to withstand that is to do what happened last night, and it's Cam Spencer. And I like, you know, I I think that was the, one of the two important things that come out of there from basketball standpoint was that we know who's going to take the last shot now. I, I think that's obvious. Uh, Cam Spencer wanted the ball. I mean, John Newman, the second smartest Rutgers fan, um, you know, had texted me during the game, Spencer for the win here, and sure enough, he you know he hits three pointer. Uh, I think that was obvious. The ball was going to him and. You know, there's reason to believe now they've got that guy. He might, you know, he hasn't proven it to the level yet, but, you know, that was really encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And he had a very Ron Harper-esque way of going about that last shot. Apparently he told teammates and coaches in the huddle that I'm making the shot, I'm hitting the shot. And uh, Michael called him a very confident kid. Uh, for my, uh, I, I wrote a story about him going to the season, talked to a lot of people around him, and I think that's not, it's not fake confidence. It's very real confidence based on the work he puts in. He's the f- first guy on the court shooting around before every game. He's maniacal in shooting, uh, and it paid off there. Uh, even to the point where Purdue knew it was coming, they defended it well, and Paul Mulcahy, who we can also talk about, had a great stretch at the end of the game, took over, really assumed the leadership role that Rutgers needs him to at the end of that game. He managed to find Cam anyway. Cam has a great move with the pump fake to open it up, hits the shot, um, and to your, I think you're not entirely wrong that he hasn't fully done the the Big Ten thing, but I mean, he's shooting 44% on threes in the Big Ten. He was great last night, six of eight shooting, yeah. hit the big shot, timely shots, didn't force anything. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think Rutgers got a real gem out of him in the transfer portal, and he's the guy that may not be as outspoken as Ron Harper Jr. I think he's clearly got the dog in him <laughs> to uh, kind of, for lack of a better term, but uh, I think Rutgers has found him as the shooter, and they found two real leaders in Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy who 
in big moments last night, Paul McKay in the first half when things got a little rough and there was that technical foul on Caleb McConnell and Derek Simpson was getting a little heated because he didn't think that foul call was fair. Paul McKay grabs the guys, huddles them around, doesn't let them get emotional. And then at the end of the game, six huge points. Uh, and uh, it really turns what could have been a collapse. Rutgers blows a 13-point lead, starts losing with four minutes to go into a, a headstrong, great finish and one of the greatest wins in, in Rutgers history. Yeah, and they recognize Steve Peichel. Give him credit. He recognized, all right, the ball's got to be in Paul's hands, uh, and it was. That was that was totally the right thing. I mean, you know, offensively, this team is still a work in progress. You know, I, I don't think that there's any question about that. Um, I, but but when you see those flashes, and again, you see Derek Simpson, you know, getting to the basket and and, and hitting hitting a big three, and you know, Hyatt can hit a big three when he needs to. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things that are happening on that end too, uh, and. I, so, hey, look, we're obviously you beat the number one team in the country. You, you, people start gushing and get to number 16 in the net. Uh, it's going to be that way. You're right about that. This There is a night coming where people's going to like, well, how do you beat Purdue on the road and you lose to Iowa? No. Well, that's going to be a, just part of basketball. But, um, yeah, just a really promising, a promising win and uh, all arrows pointing up, uh, to think, say the least. Do you think Rutgers is a legitimate Big Ten contender from your point of view? Yeah, I I do because I I haven't seen a I like sorry they played the better I haven't seen a better team yet you know and I'm you know you're looking at the standings right now it, it the two the two only undefeated teams in the league are Michigan which is eight and five like people that people in the Michigan are like what's wrong with our basketball team I get it they're they're two and zero in the Big Ten and Wisconsin which lost at home to Wake Forest like I don't think people expected Wisconsin to be like good good, good in the Big Ten this year so I, totally yeah I haven't seen a better team. Um, you know, and I think I like, I still think Purdue's probably going to be the team to, to win it, but after one, from one to, you know, from two to 13, I don't have a really good idea where these teams are going to finish out. So totally they can win it. You, you do, do you disagree? I, I completely agree. I think, uh, I, I don't think it's fair to expect them to win it. I don't think they're at that point yet. I do certainly think that they, they have a chance for sure. I think we, uh, for the reasons we've discussed. Uh, half-baked take I have here is Rutgers sort of like the defensive version of Purdue in the sense that Purdue dominates offensively and, and is not as great defensively. Rutgers dominates defensively, has an identity on that side of the floor. They have uh, they recruit similarly in that they don't really get the superstar players, but they recruit players that fit to the system. Uh, they are a bit understated nationally. I don't know. Again, this is a half-baked take I had while I was falling asleep last night. But I mean, do you see similarities between the programs there? They don't they don't get the superstar players yet, Brian. We'll talk about that in a minute too. Uh no, totally. I I think that's it. And and that's you know, that's the thing this program has had lacked before Steve Peichel got here. And this is it. The way they play defense is their identity. Uh they're they're built that way. They've got the you know, the best defense defensive player in the Big Ten. And now you know, the way he's made that team with those long guys on the perimeter. I mean, Mulcahy, Hyatt, there's so, so much length. I mean, you know, Cliff up front, he, he he was he was very good defensively. Yeah, I think I think that this is no question that 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 is what keep that will keep them in games. And there aren't the flip side of that is there really aren't a lot of elite offensive teams in college basketball. I, I get it. There are a few, not many, no, no, not in the big 10, but uh, you know, and, and so I think this defense is going to keep him in every game this year. There's, there's no question about it. 
Absolutely. All right. Uh, what do you want to do first? You want to take some insider questions or you want to talk some football? We can do both at the same time if you want to do that. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, because this is funny. So I, I put out if you're on our text, if you're not on our texting service, uh, you should be. And that way, when I texted out, they were having a podcast that I asked for questions. And I said, look, just to head it off at the pass here, just to make sure you're aware, we do not know who the offensive coordinator is yet for football. And we do not know it's taking so long. And so keep that in mind when you ask your questions. And the first question, you know what the first question is? Hey, Steve, any word on the OC? <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are awesome. And the next one, the second one was any truth to the rumor that Pike will take the OC duty, which is great. So um, took a joke. Took a joke. Last good joke. Night, took, took a jokes. Last night. I don't remember exactly the timing. I think it was like at halftime, someone texted us or tweeted at me. Hey, Brian, off topic. Any update on the OC search? <laughs> I think we get like one a day. And it's like, if we had an update, we know how much you guys want to know who it is. It would we would we wouldn't hold on to it. I think we'd get it out there pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I want be. I want tweet at people the old Adam Zagoria, Josh Newman line of I actually have a thousand words ready on who it is and I know who it is. I just was waiting for someone to ask me to do it. Do you want me Wait. to do it now? Is that what you want? But, oh, you guys want to know the ace? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. But my worry is that if I do tweet that out, people are going to take it seriously and be like, yes, yes, tell me. And then I'd have to explain the joke. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So just to, uh, I, we've, and we've, we've speculated talking about this again, there's no one. And this is one of the, like you, like you should have, people should have known when I started really going hard that Greg Shano should be the head coach of this program that I really meant it because of this is the flip side of having Greg Shannon at the head coach of this program is that information is he keeps a tight lid on this stuff. I don't know that he takes counsel in a lot of people when he does this. Um, so we've had a lot of names that we have thought from Greg Shannon's past, uh, from that that makes sense that we've asked about, and there's no sign that those are the guys. Like, I mean, there's a couple in the NFL, though, maybe they're 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 the guys. Uh, that to me is still the most logical reason. You know, like someone said, well, maybe now the bowl games are over. Well, I think coaches move all the time it, during bowl season. That's not a that's not a holdback for for guys to leave. I mean, NFL makes sense, but it would not surprise me tomorrow if we get the name and it's someone that none of us have heard. That 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 to me would be totally on brand, or or we just we just wasn't on the radar. I mean, that that's probably the. Most that would that would make the most sense at this point, right? Because if it's any of the ones we've speculated for the past month, they would have been hired by now. I mean, even in the NFL angle, Kentucky hired uh, back their OC from a few years ago, who was the OC at the Rams in the first week of December, yeah. and he's been coaching for the last month, right? Like, and granted, true. The, Good point. the Rams season is over. Like, they they they're, they've been done for a while, but still, like it, that does not has not precluded other teams from hiring sitting coaches in the past. Uh, that was kind of what Greg used as uh, an explanation during his signing day press conference. Uh, but still. Uh. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. 
Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. I think everyone will be relieved when this is over. Us, fans, Greg himself. Um, But yes, we have no update. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he's been turned down a bunch. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case if a couple of his top candidates got better jobs because let's face it. I mean, they these guys who are taking an offensive quarter job, yeah, they look at the salary and that matters, but they are upward climbing people. They're looking they're looking at where is this how is this job going to get me my next job? How is this job going to make me a head coach? Uh and <laughs> let's frankly look what happened to the last guy who had it. Got fired mid-season. Uh, and there's no sign really that this is going to be, you know, like it, 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 a miracle worker OC is not going to turn this into a top 25 offense next year. So it's still, I mean, it's still a work in progress. It's still going to be a tough job for whoever takes it. And I think that's part of what's going on here that, you know, the candidate pool might not be as strong as people think it is based on solely the fact that they've been offering seven figures to to the previous guy. So, all right, we'll see what happens there soon. Maybe perhaps, I don't know. Uh, let's dive into some more questions. Uh, this is a good one. So, uh, in year six and seven of this miraculous rebuild, Steve Peichel has knocked off the number one team in the nation. Basketball rankings are different and upsets are easier to come by. Well, what would the football equivalent be? Would it be knocking off Ohio state and Michigan in the same season? Um, that's great. I mean, you make the, 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 the texter made the point about it. Obviously it's easier to win a basketball upset. I think if Rutgers upset a, uh, Ohio State, it would just be by far, by far more significant. Um, the Ohio State, like, as much criticism they're getting for for uh, pooping the bed against uh, Georgia at the end, is forty five and six over the last since Ryan Day became head coach. They do not lose often. They've, they've only lost to Michigan in the in Big Ten, so it's not like it's you know that that's a attainable thing. I think it would be as big as going to Penn State on the road and winning there. I mean, what where would you put it? Yes, I, I would agree. I think it's also the level of what these teams are operating in, right? The Rutgers basketball program at this point, winning at Purdue is not as shocking as it would have been if this happened five years ago. Um, right. So exactly. Great point. The, the, the day this right now, they're in a much different place. This is year three of Steve Peichel. That team does not, I mean, that team's better, but it just does not win at Purdue. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. Like it would be like when in his first year, they went to Breslin center, almost beat Michigan state. Like that, that would be the equivalent, I think, of going to Penn State and winning there. Uh, the difference in the sports is just winning, upsetting Ohio State at the shoe would be the greatest upset maybe in college football history alongside Appalachian State at Michigan. It, it, it they're in different realms. It's a different right. sport. I don't think it's fair to compare. Really, I saw some people try to say if this win was more impressive than Louisville in 06. I think that's a pretty big stretch. I think that's still the biggest regular season win of any sport at Rutgers, maybe. Uh, but we're really comparing two things that aren't comparable. I think in my view. Yep. Good. Good answer to that. Uh, okay. A uh, bunch of recruiting questions. So that's, you know, um, of course, when you see something like that, that springs to mind for people, but it's also been in the news for Rutgers. So 24 uh, seven is a crystal ball prediction for Dylan Harper going to Duke. Do we still think we have a good chance? How much does last night's win help us? Um I mean, look, everything I've heard about Dylan Harper is that it, he is Duke's number one target. And if you are Duke's number one target, you usually go to Duke. I mean, there's no way they put it. And I, it's, I think it's remarkable that Steve Peichel, I get it. He's got he's got a great relationship with that family. Ron Harper loves him, loves, loves Rutgers. 
it would be or just a remarkable, a stunning turn of events to me for Dylan Harper to go to Rutgers. Am I wrong? Yes, I think you are. Uh, I, I I don't disagree with the way you're looking at this. I think you're going a bit too hard in that direction. I certainly still think, I don't think anything has been done uh, as far as a decision. I think the 247 guy, the crystal ball is a bit overplayed because this is a guy, yes, he's on the Duke site. He's probably the second or third guy on that site. He, as many Rutgers fans have noted, uh, he was a guy who predicted Cliff O'Mori would go to Arizona State a month before he picked Rutgers. If it's not Adam Finkelstein, if it's not any of the major 247 guys, if it's not one of the Rutgers guys or the main Duke guy, I would not take any of the crystal balls that seriously with Dylan. Uh, his mother and Ron have both gone on Twitter in the last week to say that it's going to be Dylan's decision and he'll decide when it's time. It doesn't sound like he's close to Making a decision, I talked to someone close to him last week or a couple weeks ago. I went to watch him at Don Bosco, and it sounds like he's still going to play out the season and then decide he's still going to take visits. I certainly think Rutgers is still in it. I think uh, I mean, he's been at a few games. I would not be surprised to see him at a few more games. Uh, Steve Peichel and the entire staff are prioritizing him. If they land him, which I certainly think is possible, it would be a program-shifting, Big Ten-shifting move. This is a kid who is ranked top five, top 10 nationally. Uh, he has an incredible upside. He is, from all accounts, the, has a chance to be better than his brother by a significant margin. Oh yeah! Some someone said to me, he, "He's he's a young Magic Johnson." <laughs> and I get it. That's hyperbole, but just a ball handling big man. You're like, okay, well, uh, that's. I mean, yeah, the way he plays, his size for Garmin, it's just yeah. So there's no question about that. If he comes here, and we're jumping the gun, but that would be attraction to other top targets guys like ace bailey a five-star forward out of georgia who Rutgers is recruiting hard and seems to be in a dogfight with auburn um so at beyond getting the players how what it would mean for the roster and, and everything winning battles in recruiting against duke which is the most prestigious program in the sport and auburn which has maybe the deepest pockets in college sports or certainly up there would be sure. a huge huge uh signal of really how far Rutgers has come in the view of recruits and would, I mean, Rutgers would be final four contending good if they land those two kids. And the, but, and I do, but I will say, I will say that that wins like that. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like Dylan Harper has to take a leap of faith. Like Ron did. I mean, he, look, he's going to, he's going to a winning program. I mean, I, again, though, it's just, it's just Duke. Duke is like the famous, the famous quote, Duke is Duke. You know, it, it's just, I don't know, it's a tough one, but the, and to the point though about recruiting now, there's the other question uh, with the new point guard committed to uh, and the other player from Connecticut who was supposed to be com committed. Is this going to be Peichel's best recruiting class? I mean, you wrote this the other day. I mean, tell tell me about the recruit they did get. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so I'll kind of give you guys the back story on how all that happened. I'm sitting at the rack. I'm sorry, at Jersey Mike's Arena, and there's two recruits behind the Rutgers bench. There's Ban Dongo, a 2023 center from Colorado. Uh, who Rutgers hosted on an unofficial visit uh, and who is deciding soon and Rutgers is trending well in his recruitment. Uh, and next to him is Delquan Warren. I went to go talk to Bay. I did not realize Delquan Warren is there. And then an hour later at halftime, I see his high school tweets out that he committed. And I'm like, okay, this is a high school jumping the gun. So I follow them. They follow me back. I DM them. I'm like, hey, is this is this legit? He's like, yeah, yeah. He just committed on Facebook and they sent me a link. And I'm like, there's no way a high school kid committed on facebook we follow each other so i i, I dm delquan i'm like is this legitimate he's like yes and then i run with it and uh so i i broke the That's news amazing. 
I broke the news because the kid is living in 2007. Beautiful. He's Steve Peichel's dream player, if that's the case. that The, the way you describe this, Peichel must love him for that reason alone. Two of the last four commits Rutgers has gotten are kids that don't go on social media and Cam Spencer and a kid who is posting on Facebook. That's, that's great. His, um, my, his MySpace page must have been down. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good point. Uh, to him, Adding him is a great start to the class. This is a top 100 kid who, I mean, he's not to the level of Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey, but if if this wasn't a class where Rutgers is pursuing targets at that level, this would be a huge get in, in Rutgers fans' eyes. Um, I saw some people worry that maybe that will affect Dylan Harper because he's a point guard. Dylan Harper is a bit of a combo guard. I don't see those two you know, being an issue at all. I think if anybody got in the way of Dylan Harper coming to Rutgers, they would get, uh, they would not be accepted into the class. I think these are ir- irrelevant to each other. Uh, I certainly think it probably helps even uh, for Dylan. It helps, ha- no question. Yep. To have a kid of that caliber. I, I don't think it's going to convince him entirely, but it certainly helps. Uh, and then they get the recruit from Georgia. And I love this, like, cause it's like a no, like a no star guy, like completely off the radar. And, I think at this point, our our reaction to this, instead of being, who is this? Well, how's he getting this? Could be, oh, this guy must be really good because that's what Steve Peichel does is he finds these guys like Gio Baker who are, you know, <laughs> and turns him into, I mean, th- we haven't talked a lot about that recruit either. And I can't, I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me. Jermichael Davis. Jermichael and Davis. Gotcha. Speak for yourself. When I saw him committed out of nowhere, uh, I thought he was a walk-on. I swear to God. I had to text right, yeah. some people yeah. to like confirm, like, is this, is this legitimate? This is going to, this could be another kid that, Another under the radar kid that has no fanfare that Michael Mike Pichel develops into a uh, a solid player. I mean, at, at worst though, he's a AAU teammate of Ace Bailey, the five star kid from Georgia, and uh, they seem to be good friends. Uh, he okay. was very excited about him committing to Rutgers. I certainly don't think it hurts in that recruitment either. But I I, I don't think that is why Rutgers took his commitment. Rutgers had been recruiting him since the summer, very low key as they tend to do. And that is just a an additional uh, you know byproduct of, of that. All right, uh, a few more, and I I think the the takeaway is though worrying about Pykele's recruiting is yeah, that's it's just that's a that's a that's a two thousand twenty narrative that we can move on from. He's certainly that those questions are being answered every day. He's he's in it with top players. He's getting top players. It's going to be fine. Is Rutgers officially a basketball school now? That was a question from a texter. You want to take that one? I think it's a silly question, frankly. Just yeah, you, can be, to... yeah, yeah. you can be everything. You don't have to be one or the other, right? Yeah, it's, it's, and I don't think Rutgers is the only school in the country that does this, but I've been seeing a lot of the fan base kind of going at each other about yeah, it's weird pinning the teams against each other, and you know, I, I I get it. Like for some basketball only fans who had to eat you know manure for years when the program stunk it up while the football program was good, maybe they want to rub it in the football fans' faces. I think it's silly, and I think that Rutgers would be better if its fans supported all the programs equally and didn't try to bring each other down. I guess the answer to the question is no, they're not a basketball school yet. I think it takes more than this to become a basketball school. Uh, Kentucky football has been great for three years now, and that place will never stop being a basketball school. But the greater answer is it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, Mike in Mapleshade uh, has a good good one-liner, but it also there's an element of truth to this as well. Uh, place your bets now. You guys should guess how much M- Peichel's next contract extension will be. Uh, it's funny, but, and I, it di- didn't dawn on me until I saw Mike's Mike's text. Uh, yeah, it's just another example. Like when, when, when Pat Hobbs gave Peichel that extension uh, last March, I thought to myself, God, was that really necessary? But 
Yeah. I mean, maybe Pat Hobbs is good at his job in a lot of, a lot of ways. I mean, that makes, now you look at it like, all right, if this season takes the trajectory that we think it's taking, now you've got Steve Pike will have Rutgers in three, should have been four straight NCAA tournaments, unprecedented it, rebuilding this program. He can win on the road against the number one team in the country. And he's now recruiting at a level where an AD who thought that was the one box he hadn't checked could look at it and go, Oh, this guy's pretty good. So, I mean, there's never any, there's never been any hint that Steve Peichel is going anywhere, but all right, you know, score one for Pat Hobbs, a proactive strike here to keep his basketball coach uh, away from other places. Absolutely. And the biggest thing about that, that uh, contract extension last year was the increased buyout. Uh, that yep. I, I don't necessarily think Steve Peichel would, was in danger of leaving Rutgers ever, even with the success and some more interest that would surely come from it. I really don't think there's any danger outside of maybe UConn, if that ever opens up. Which is not going to open up. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, there, there's really no – someone jokingly asked me if, if he might take the Knicks job in next year when Thibodeau gets fired. I don't think he'll ever go to the NBA. I don't think the NBA will want him either, frankly. I don't think there's any real danger of him leaving. And there's no reason for him to leave. He's building an elite program at a place that treats him like a god. Like Rutgers fans will die for this man. There, why why would he want to leave this place? Uh he probably I, I would not be surprised if he gets another extension just because he's earned it so far. Uh, assuming again, like you said, that they follow the trajectory of where this season is going. Um and uh and yeah, I think I think everyone at Rutgers would gladly uh, pay for it uh, if it came to that. All right. A uh, few more questions from, and a lot of texters didn't have a question, but uh, had mentioned that they were doing what I think a lot of us were doing last night, uh, watching that game at the end of the Rutgers game while trying to figure out what was happening in the Monday night football game. And um, you know, it, it, what happened, obviously it, it became the biggest story, uh, biggest story in sports right now, biggest story in sports for the NFL season without question. Uh, Demar Ham- Hamlin's, just stunning injury, chilling injury, uh, critical conditions, CPR on the field, canceling Monday night football. Um, you know, and I, I think it put, certainly put me in where I was when I heard about the Eric Legrand injury. I think it put a lot of Rutgers fans who were in that bill, who were in MetLife stadium in 2010 when he was hurt. Uh, and I talked to Eric about it and, and he mentioned the same thing. Like he had heard from his former teammates who were asking if he was okay, if he had seen it, who were concerned for him. Um, and you know, to his point, like, it's going to be really hard for the bills and for the Bengals and for really the rest of the NFL to move on from this. I mean, everybody witnessed it. We were all part of that trauma, you know, and certainly the the ones who were teammates for him on that field who saw it, you know, it's just going to be a really difficult thing for, for professional football. And, you know, Eric has certainly unique, unique perspective on it. And he, he told me, he's like, well, you know, I was the guy, I was the guy who was hurt. So I, I, I wasn't aware. Like he was fighting for, he was fighting for his life. He wasn't aware of what was happening, but he only found out later. Just you know, that was that was the team for Rutgers. I mean, they never won another game again, and that uh, it was just a devastating moment for for that program. Um, and I think it's going to be you know those guys are changed forever. And I I, don't, I know you were, you were in the same boat I was. I think did you do, were you even aware of what was happening, Brian, when 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 that went down? I had no idea it was happening until you texted yeah. our group chat. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was, I mean, I was barely watching the end of the Purdue game, to be honest with you, because I was running my gamer. Um, but yeah, I, I thought you did a great job with, with the column on a sensitive subject. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, I, I don't know how people expected them to even get back on the field. I don't know how they, people expect to get them to get back on the field in six days. Um, oh, I know. A, 
incredible, incredibly sad story. I, I don't think we know uh, much about Hamlin's condition at this point, right? Uh, it's still crit- you know, critical condition. I've seen that he was, you know, intubated and, and you know, yeah, the, the updates, again, just you don't want to speculate on it. And again, that's pretty much what happened on CNN. Just a lot of experts talking about what it had to be a cardiac, obviously a, a cardiac episode. Uh, and those, I mean, that's about as scary as again, that's what Eric said. Like you think, all right, you know, the risks, you know, concussions, you know, broken legs, you know, even spinal cord, but that is just something that uh, you don't think about as a football player. So um, obviously our thoughts are, are with him and the bills and hoping for hoping that this story has a happy ending, um, or at least one that uh, that's not as awful as 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 what everyone feared last night. Uh, all right, let's end this on a on a on a on a funny note, positive note. Um, CJ from Baskin Ridge, this is a, a great question. Since Matt Painter referred to going to war with Rutgers as an ally, what was the most important revolutionary war battle fought in New Jersey? <laughs> Good job, CJ. What's your favorite revolutionary war battle? Um, Fonseca, you got one for me. Oh, there's just so many. Uh, I th- I think you should start while I grab, grab grab my thoughts and try to figure out. Oh, you're I'm just doing. googling it right now, aren't you? No, I'm not gonna let you do that. Just like you could do, you could be looking up. You right now, you're probably looking up Mary Tyler Moore. This is what you did when this happened. My hands are up. You don't have any th- for the for the people. I will post a screenshot. My hands are up. I am not googling. I I just am genuinely curious. I want to hear yours first because I don't want you know. I mean, I, it's got to be look. It's got to be the Continental Army's desperate uh, retreat from Fort Lee. Oh, you stole my you stole mine. All right, whatever. I guess we can we can chop that uh, up. Oh, how about the crossing of the Delaware River? Would that get would that get you? It was pretty significant. You know, uh, that, was, that was my second choice. I, I your second really, Battle of Monmouth? Uh overrated. I Googled it by the way, too. So don't don't feel bad. Great question, though. Very funny. Um, all right. Anything else we got to cover? Uh Lenny's at wrestling. It looks like that a lot happened with wrestling. I'm 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 not really I'm sure what it was, but it seemed like they had a good event over the weekend. I got to be honest, I did not keep up closely with the Midlands. Uh, with it the was Midlands. the end of the year and I was a bit uh, a, a bit busy getting ready for the celebrations. Um, but going back to the war Midlands. thing, because Steve Peichel mentioned it as a war as well. Uh, real trench warfare over there in Mackey Arena. Uh, is there, I guess, so Rutgers is, I think, undisputed, the number one team you take into war in the Big Ten. I don't think anyone could really argue. Do you have a number two and do you have a team that you would not take to war under any circumstance? Oh, I'm not taking Indiana to war. I mean, good grief. You get you get into a tough you get in tough body you're right there you're in the trenches there you look behind you they're gone no Indiana there's no Indiana at all. I'm taking this is an easy answer I want and I can see him in the little hat by the way I want Steve Peichel stand I'm sorry I want Tom Izzo standing on the front of the front of the boat with the little hat you know with the with the flag and all that like that's he he would be the guy you you pick him up you would certainly take him and that program to war without question that would be my that would be an easy choice. I, I think that's 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 not what I would have thought. That's a great answer. I would love if someone could Photoshop uh, that little hat, as you called it, onto Thomas's head, scree- while he's screaming and, and tweeted us. That would I'm be sure great. that has. I'm sure, <laughs> sure that little hat has a name. And right now, we're getting an angry tweet about that. But it's um, not a beret, is it? It's not a beret. That's a French thing, right? Yeah, and the French are not good at war, as we know. I think uh, I would take Wisconsin and Greg Gard because oh, they're tough. Okay. And they're clearly very tactically sharp. They make the most out of what they have. And, right. you know, I don't know who we're fighting in a war. I don't know exactly what the kind of war it is, but I know that they would figure it out. So you I want think an identity. Guys. You want you want your you want a guy on your side with a with good tactician in the war. Of course, that's a good point. Yeah. Good and, I, and I don't think there are any refs in war. So that's a good sign for all these <laughs> all these teams. 
Um, <laughs> Rutgers, Rutgers would be the first team to foul out of a war. Ah, good, absolutely. good way. Tying a ribbon on the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. The big win. We'll be back, I'm sure, soon enough to talk about the next big win. Rutgers basketball off to a great start here. Uh, thanks. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.